Okay? And I want to preach this morning about salvation of a Jephthite. So, we'll see what the Bible says about that. And let's read in Acts chapter 10, the verses 1 to 23. Now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. Devout men and one who feared God with all of his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and, be, and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and arms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some of the men to Joppe and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tenor named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of, of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up onto the housetop and this about the seventh hour to pray. But he became hungry and was des uh, desiring to eat. But while they were making preparation, he fell into a trance. And he saw the sky open up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birth of the air. A voice came to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. This happened three times and immediately the object was taken up into the sky. Now while Peter was greatly perplexed in, in mind as to what this vision will and which he saw might be, behold, the man who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked direction for Simon's house, appeared at the gate and calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgiving, for I have sent him myself. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the one who 
I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for which you are here? They said, Cornelius a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And also this story, Lord, of the early Christians is so remarkable. And I thank you, Lord, that you may bless us this morning. I pray, give grace to speak your word, give grace to receive your word, and also give grace, Lord Jesus, to act upon your word in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, in these last chapters of uh, what we have read so far of Acts, there are three interesting things we read. Conversions of three important men. In chapter 8, who knows who was there? Who was there, the important man? There was the eunuch from... Where did he come again? Ethiopian. Yes, and in next chapter 9, there was another important man who got converted. Who was that? Saul from Tarsus. And then he is another important man. And that's perhaps so important to understand it. And this is this centurion, a man from Italy. Interesting, and Jesus said something at the end when he comes back in Matthew chapter 24, the verse 37. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of... Days of... Oh, we haven't got it there. Like in the days of Noah. And I thought about it. Now here were three kinds of people... To what race did they belong? First of all, I'm going to speak, speak on race. There are no races here on the earth. Did you know that? Although the politicians don't get it, they're too thick. They speak of races here in Australia. Australia has got only one race. There's only one race in whole of the world. There are different cultures, of course. But a culture doesn't change the person. We are all the same race. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's why I can get angry about the politicians when they speak about racial problems and so on. We don't have racial problems here in Melbourne. We might have perhaps cultural problems. People from other countries and other parts come to Australia. They are not different races. Because when God made men and when he when men are being born, they are always been born to the first race. And what is the race God made here on the earth? Called men. 
simple as that. Called men. The color doesn't mean. The same if you have a car, might be perhaps a BMW. You have a red car. Somebody else has a blue car. In each case, it is a car and comes from the same factory, perhaps BMW or Mercedes or Holden or Ford. So the color doesn't mean anything to God. And God calls here three people from three different, not races, but cultures, but actually three different people. And we read it very clearly. Now some scholars, and I want to say this, they said that actually at the time when Noah was around, the so-called antediluvian time. That means the time before this flood. There were about 7 billion people. I can't prove it. I just read it somewhere. And these were scholars. And now did you know, Jesus said, at the end time, when Jesus comes back, it will be like in the days of Noah. Jesus doesn't say there will be the same amount of people around. But interestingly, just to think about how many people are living on the earth now. Seven billion people. Could it be that that might be also some kind of indication of the soon coming Lord Jesus? Of course, Jesus refers to the time of violence and so on. They were eating and drinking. They were marrying and giving in, into marriage and so on, which is happening nowadays as well. But there's some, something different I want to indicate, and it's this. Could it be that the coming of the Lord Jesus will be very, 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 very near? He is coming soon. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, interesting, when we look into the Bible, you, have you heard about the sons of Noah? Who can call them? There were three sons of Noah. There was Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, these are the three fathers of our society of course, many, many, many thousand years ago. That's why Genesis chapter 9, 19, let's read. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. There are only three kinds of people on this earth. Of course, different cultures, and you see the different cultures from nation to nation, but they're all the same people, Amen. They're all the same people. I used to live close to the Dutch border in North Germany. And if I went over to, to Holland, it was different in Holland. They also drove on the right side. But the Dutch people are different. Totally different. And we were Germans. And I'm a German. And the interesting thing for German is this. If you drive with your car through a village or through a Dutch village, we Germans have curtains and we put them always close. Nobody can look at the house. But in Holland, you could look through the house. They didn't have curtains like the Germans. You could see 
people walking in the house, and we stared into it. But in Holland, nobody stares into their houses because it is normal for them. So different culture, different way of living, but these are men and people as well, created by God. Now, we are all children of Noah. Did you know that? We are all children of Noah. And interesting, in Acts chapter 8, one of the children of Noah got saved. And that was the Ethiopian Hamite. You know, he came from Ethiopia, from Africa. He got saved through the ministry of Philip. We know that. And remember, and very interesting, what did I say? What did he come from, this Ethiopian? He was a Hamite. Very interesting. And I don't know why it is so. But there is a minister, a servant, a man of God, actually an ex-Australian. He is now living in the United States. His name is Ken Ham. Anybody heard about Ken Ham? A man of God. And I must say, through his ministry, when he was here in Australia, I had to change my theology. Why? I was taught in the in Bible college about the gap theory. The gap theory is this. Of course, you read in Genesis 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created heaven and earth, and the earth was what? Void and empty. So, a so-called theologian in, or from Scotland, Thomas Chalmers, and he invented a gap theory in order to fill up the, the gap between first and second verse because he argued that way. Anything God does is complete and is good. Amen? God doesn't create disaster or chaos. Anything God does is good. Hallelujah. And he made a mistake and said, well, the first earth was good. How did it come that the earth all of a sudden was a chaos on the earth? And he said, well, there is a gap between verse 1 and 2 in the past eternity and he put actually the fall of Satan in Isaiah chapter 14 in there. And if you read the, the fall of Satan, it says, he is the one who devastated the earth, destroyed everything. And he said, ah, see, that's where the fall of Satan belongs into. Satan destroyed the whole earth God has made. But I learned something. And that's through the ministry of Ken Ham. And he put it very clearly. And his ministry was then called Answers in Genesis. And he went a few years ago back, or actually to America. And you know what? Ken Ham, he built the exact replica of the Ark of Noah in North, where is it again? 
yeah, in North um, Kentucky. And I, I know people who went there. It's amazing, a real replica of the art. People were scoffing at him and ages and all these people, they say, well, it's nonsense, it's just a story. No. Ken Ham, he built the ark. Now, one of his great, 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 great uncles, Uncle Ham, was working also on the, on the ark. And he, Ken Ham, realized that. And he built this ark. And this there just for a monument, a statement God makes and he wanted to make. And the statement is this. God meant business then with Noah and with the people who all got drowned. God meant business then, and God means business now as well. That's what the ark is standing there for. And many, many people go there, not only Christian, even non-Christian go and visit that ark there in the States. When you ever get to the States, you must go there and have a look at it. Now, these three men of Noah's, these three sons, they were working on the ark as well. And we never read anywhere where one of the sons of Noah said, Dad, I'm too tired. Last or yesterday we brought such a big tree on our shoulders. I'm too tired now. I can't work. No, they were all working, all working. And you know what sort of wood they were using? Pardon? I tell you, the Bible says it too. When they ran out of wood, then he said, sons, go for wood. Now, the English says, go for wood. But he would say, go for wood. Get some interesting. Now, this ark is there. And I must say there's something very important. God means business as well. And we must preach also this. And Peter, one of the great disciples, hallelujah. And he got something revealed by the Spirit of God. We read it in Second Peter chapter 3, the verses 10 to 11. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. We know there's a day going to come. The day of the Lord is going to come or will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its work will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? What sort of people ought we to be? And I tell you what, this might come sooner than we think. Sooner than we think. The Lord is coming. 
How can we escape? Imagine the whole earth will be one fireball. There will be no place you can trample on. There's fire. And that little thing there on Hawaii, you know, the... Uh, um, what was it again? You know, this fire there and the outburst of the volcanoes is just a little barbecue compared to what is going to come. What would be the only answer? No one, no man, no person can stand that, that fire that will be on this earth. And all the elements will melt for a tense heat. That is hot. That is hot. You wouldn't be cold then. But what is the only thinkable and the only purpose or the only way to escape? What would be the only way to escape from this earth? Sam, you should know that. Amen. That's why he said, when we know this, what kind of sort of people should we be? What should then be our, our behavior? Or how should we walk then? If we know all these things. We should live in holy conduct and godliness. Hallelujah. Pastor Gary, I must say a great amen. Amen. You were preaching last Sunday and the Sunday before. We must live holy and we must live in a godliness. Hallelujah. That's so important. Now, I don't know when this earth will turn into a fireball, but the only sensible way is to get us out and away from it. There will be no rescue to Mars, and if there would be perhaps a flight for the Mar or to Mars be available, they would be so expensive, expensive, nobody would be able to afford it. But there's a better way. And Jesus said, I want those who are believing me should be there where I am. Hallelujah. You know what? We are waiting for the rapture because the rapture is the only sensible way of escape. Of course, and all the other things that will happen, you know, with, uh, with Israel, that's a thing God has in plan as well. But for us, in order to be in the rapture, you must be, you must be living holy. And we read about this very clear, that the dead in Christ will be, will be raised then when Jesus comes. Now you only can be dead in Christ. And some people make a joke about it. I don't like this joke at all. They mean, they mean the Anglicans, they are dead. They are not dead in Christ. Dead in Christ is somebody who lived with Jesus, lived with Christ, and he passed away, and he has finished his earth, earthly life. That's what the Bible means, that dead in Christ will be raised first. Hallelujah. And you can only be dead in Christ if you lift in Christ. 
Can you understand it? If you never lived in Christ and you die, which will happen, then you are not dead in Christ or I dead in Christ. That's why we must live now so as if the Lord would come tomorrow. Now we see this was the Ethiopian Ahemite. And so there was another son and there was or actually a grand, 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 grandson of Shem. And there was Saul from Tarsus. In Acts chapter 9, we read in verse 1a, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, and the Lord met him. And there's also a very interesting uh, situation. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now we know the apostle Saul, or Paul, before he was Saul, but then he was called Paul. Saul meant destroyer, and Paul means building up. And through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, the church has benefited a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Amen? And many letters he wrote uh, to the churches and for the church. And all the, the theology we have through the Apostle Paul was building up the body of Christ. Now Saul is a type of Israel. Saul was blind by Judaism till Jesus met him. And we understand Israel is still blind towards Jesus Christ. We have a few people and there are some churches in Jerusalem and our dear brother Colin could confirm it. Have you been in a church there? Yes? Oh good, praise the Lord. They have some. But Israel is still Blind for Jesus. The day is going to come. Hallelujah. That these Shemites one day will meet their brother whom they thought he is dead. But Jesus is not dead. He is alive. Now, Likewise, like Paul or Saul, met Jesus Christ and he became a new person, this Shemite, and he became a preacher and apostle of the church. <clears throat> now Saul met Jesus, and so how Saul met Jesus, so will Israel meet their brother. Jesus Christ. And I said it somewhere. When I was in Bible college, we had to learn a lot, a lot, a lot. And a lot of things we had to learn by heart. And I had to learn, or we all had to learn, the whole book of Genesis, chapter by chapter, the, what is in there, in the chapters, so we could say chapter 28, that's the letter of Jacob to heaven. Chapter 32, 
when Jacob was fighting with the angel of the Lord. And chapter 45, when Joseph revealed himself to Israel. Now we understand this. And the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10, and that will be the time as it was in the time of Joseph when he revealed himself to his brothers. They thought and they spread this, this news, Joseph is dead. And over that news, Jacob almost went to the grave because he lost all interest in life. Joseph was the believed dead brother. Jesus is also for Israel in this time. They believe that brother. They don't know who Jesus is. And if you speak to a Jew, they don't want to know anything about Jesus. But the day is going to come because God has a plan. God doesn't live from moment to moment. He has got a plan and everything goes according to his plan. Hallelujah. In Zechariah chapter 2 verse 10. And God said there, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication that they will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And they will weep bitterly over him like a bitter weeping over the firstborn. That time is going to come. The Lord Jesus is going to come and he is going to show himself to Israel as well. And that's a prophecy that being fulfilled. They will see him whom they have pierced. Him who they believed he is dead. And he is not dead. Amen. Hallelujah. We do worship him. And you know who it is? It is Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, we see here Paul. He got saved, or Saul, a Shemite. And then we read about here chapter 9. I read a section of it. I'm not finished with that preaching, but I will continue to preach Pastor Gary when I come back from Germany. In the meantime, you have got time to preach then. Hallelujah. Now there was a man, Cornelius the Jephthite, in Acts chapter 10. Because everything northwards of the Caucasus are being called, these people are the Caucasians. And then we know automatically who these are. These are not Asian people. These are the ones from Europe, Caucasian. And of course, these Caucasians are not better than anyone else. And this was a Caucasian, a Jephthite. And we read it in Acts chapter 10, 1. Now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. 
actually someone Lean, you shouldn't do military service for. He was because he was long before you, but you are Italian descent. You know, he was an Italian man. And so he was there. And interesting, the Bible speaks about him. Caesarea was a little Sidonian settlement at the sea. And history tells that actually Herod, he expanded that place, a little Haber's city, or yes, at the sea, and made a great city and called that city to honor of Caesar Augustus, Caesarea. You know, city of Caesar. That it was. And that's where the Italian cohorts came and landed when they came to Israel. And there was this cohort, and he was a centurion. And he somehow felt that Israel is an interesting people. He heard about what God did in Israel, certainly. And he dedicated his life somehow to this God of Israel. And we read, read from him. He was a devout man. There were three things that made his devotion unto God, unto the God of Israel. There was this, he feared God. That's something really for a Caucasian to fear God. The Europeans are so godless at the moment, I tell you, unbelievable, unbelievable, godless. And you see in Asia, many, many people getting saved. In China, for instance, millions and millions are being saved. In Africa, for instance, where the Hamites come from, people getting saved. And as I heard from my dear brother, and we want to pray for you afterwards. When I'm finished with preaching, I don't want to forget you and your wife. We want to pray for you, Brother Eddie. Our dear brother over there, he had recently, or the last weeks and months ago, a gospel rally or a tent or whatever for a certain time. And I heard whether 300 people got saved or even more. A number of people got saved. God is working in different kinds of, uh, of this earth. But here, this Jephthite, unusual for a European to believe in God, he was devout to God, and he was praying, he was seeking some of God, and he had the fear of God. You know, the fear of God is what? The beginning of wisdom. Don't go to the university. Fear God, you know more than them. Fear God. That's the beginning of wisdom. Hallelujah. Now the fear of God caused him to love Israel. Is it possible that any Christian, anyone born again by the Spirit of God and not loving Israel, is it possible? 
Is it possible? You have to change your attitude if you are a Christian and don't love the people of Israel. He was not a Christian. He loved Israel. He loved the Jews. And he gave alms to the Jews. And he had a good reputation amongst the Jews. And he was praying. There was a third thing. He prayed continually to God. And he was praying, as we read, about the ninth hour. Did you know the ninth hour was the prayer hour in Israel? Peter and John went to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, chapter 3. You can read it. And he was praying on the ninth hour. I don't know how his prayer life was, whether he was kneeling down or he was standing, lifting up his hands like the Jews do. They're lifting up their hands when they pray. And he prayed. And all of a sudden, God answered his prayer because God saw his heart. He knew Rome has nothing to offer. All the splendor there in Rome is nothing. But here is a people, they have a history about a God who did miracles within them. And he was seeking after this God. He was praying. And God revealed himself through an angel. Hallelujah. Aren't you happy that God made angels as well? Did you know for whom he made the angels? Anybody here does know why did God make the angels? What? He made angels very clearly. And we can read it. In Hebrews 1.14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for those or for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? God sent an angel. And he said, go down. You know this Italian, he is praying there. Tell him something for me. And the angel spoke obviously Italian. And he went down and he saw this angel and he said, Cornelius, and he said, here I am. And he said something, your prayers and your gifts you did on my people, on the people of Israel, I put it this way now. They have, they have come before God. God recognized this. God recognized our life. Uh, he recognized our prayers. He recognized also the good things we do for brothers and sisters or for the work of God. He recognizes that. Amen? Hallelujah. And now he said, listen, I sent to Joppa a little bit further down, perhaps 15 kilometers down, south and down from Caesarea, there is a man called Simon and with his surname Peter. That's my interpretation. Go and send for him. 
and he is living in the house of a tenor. Now, have you ever been in a tenery? You call it tenery? It's not a very nice place. They don't have nice perfume there. They don't. And then go there. And that's why I think his house was also on the sea. The sea breeze came and took all the stench away. So, but there was Peter now. Simon Peter. He was praying and we know, we read it. Why? Why didn't this angel preach to him, believe in Jesus Christ and you and your household shall be saved? Does anybody know the answer? Does anybody know the answer? He could have said, believe in Jesus and you will be saved. No. He said, go and send for Simon Peter. He is in the house of Simon the tenor. And they search for him. And Peter learned his lesson in some tutoring by the Spirit of God. Because he was hungry. It was the sixth hour. The sixth hour was about lunchtime. And he was praying. And I heard about a man of God, and he told it. He wanted to see a vision from God. He was hungry and was praying. Guess what he saw? Guess what he saw? Bread? McDonald's. So, now he saw something. And the Lord brought down this, this cloth, you know, and was full with all the different animals. And God said, Peter, get up and kill and eat. He said, no, 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 Lord. No, no, no. I have never, ever eaten anything unclean. Never, ever. And it happened to him three times. And you know, when God speaks three times, it's very, very important. Yes? But then it was taken away. And Peter thought about, what could it be? What could it be? And there was a knock at the gate, at the gate outside. These men from Cornelius were there. And Peter went there. And the Bible says very clearly, Mere, let me put this way, I, I uh, formed a new English word. You might know that. So, and if you want to look it in the, into the uh, dictionary, you won't find it. I didn't find it either, that's why I have to make one. Word. It's no problem if a German a little bit lifts up the English language, is it? Now listen, mere angelicity doesn't make or qualify anyone for an evangelist. Have you heard this word? 
angelicity. That means angel likeness. No, no, don't look, look it up. That means even if you would be an angel, you are not qualified for an evangelist. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.11, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. God made them. Hallelujah. Now, Peter went there, and so I have to stop now. My time is over. And we see something. God, don't talk about different races. There are none different races. A different race would be if a human would have been created as the Roman god Janus. You've heard about Janus, yes? No? The Roman god Janus was a god who had a face in front and the same face in the back. So, that kind of people you wouldn't see on the earth. Why? God hasn't created them. If they would have been created that way as Janus, then we have different races. A race God made, they're demigrades, or perhaps a Janus race. But they don't exist. Hallelujah. And you know what I thought? Our politicians, they can't stop speaking about racism and stuff like that. They are none. They don't know anything. Sorry to say that. This is Sunday school stuff I'm preaching. It's Sunday school stuff. Every Sunday school child knows that the whole earth was populated by Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So my thought came to this. Perhaps we should send our Sunday school choir to the next session of opening of government. And they should sing them something. Jesus loves the little children. The little children in the world. Yellow, red, black, and white. All are precious in his sight. They would have learned more instead of getting the Dalai Lama there and tell something about his so I don't want to vilify that name. <laughs> so, but instead of listen to the Bible, and if Carl would go there and open up the session of opening of government and sing with the children, Jesus loved the children, they would have learned more than ever. Amen? So, and Jesus showed, or the Bible shows us, all these people got saved. Him. 
posterity of him, posterity of Shem, and of Japheth. Hallelujah. And that's us as well. God bless you. The Lord is good. When I come back, I'm not going tomorrow to Germany, but we have got some other people preaching in between when I get back to preaching. So the Lord may bless you. And Lord, we thank you for your word. It's a wonderful Lord. And you said, Lord, when, when you will come back, it will be as it was in the time with Noah. And Lord, people are rotten nowadays exactly the way as they were at the antediluvian time. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we, Lord, as we know these things, as Peter says, what kind of people we ought to be, that we live, O oh Lord, a life of holiness before you, Lord, because we know your coming is very, very near. Amen.